Good morning. This whole series is inspired by this meme that goes around the internet with Jesus kind of popping his head in going, I never said that, or I don't have anything to do with this. Um, And uh, as I've shared before, I love dumb things on the internet. It's one of my favorite things in the world. And uh, one of the things that goes around the internet are quotes. You see, this is like, uh, whole people's Instagram accounts are just dedicated to quotes by famous people. And so I wanted to share some quotes I ran across on the internet with you this morning. Uh, The first one is this one. Be careful about reading health books. You may die of a misprint. That's a good quote. Here's a problem. Mark Twain never said that. Somebody else said that and wanted to give it some air of credibility, so they throw it on a famous author who's known for his wise sayings, right? Here's another one. Shakespeare. Love me or hate me, both are in my favor. If you love me, I'll always be in your heart. If you hate me, I'll always be in your mind. Shakespeare never said that. You know why? Because there's no thou's, these. <laughs> there's no old, you know, Middle English. It actually sounds like really bad hip-hop lyrics to me. That's what it sounds like. Um, the next one. This is my favorite one of this morning. Use the force, Harry, from Gandalf. This one is my favorite <laughs> fake quote on the whole internet. If you don't get this, it just means you're not a big enough nerd, and that's okay. See, that's the guy from Star Trek, the next generation, in Picard, quoting Harry Potter, but using the wrong wizard. Gandalf is from Lord of the Rings. So, okay, the nerds are like, we get it. All right, this quote from Abraham Lincoln. Ugh, this play was so boring. I wish someone would just shoot me already. (laughs) I'm glad you laughed at that. It's not too soon for Abe Lincoln jokes. That's good. No, this, this last one's real. This one's from Abe Lincoln, and this one is real. The problem with quotes found on the internet is that they are often not true. What insight from Abe all the way back in the 1860s that he knew people would be making up fake quotes on the internet all the way back then. People love a good quote. We love a good, wise saying that we can apply to any situation. And people repost this stuff all the time on social media and sometimes never question it. And why do people fall for stuff like this? I think it's because we love to oversimplify things. We like to have a nice, easy answer for every situation. We want to believe that life is simpler than it really is. I was actually just listening to someone the other day talk about how if you say something confidently, no matter how accurate you might be, many people just assume that you know what you're talking about. That's why we have this old joke. Did you know that 83% of statistics are made up on the spot? If you just say that with confidence, people will be like, yeah, sure, that sounds right. He knows what he's talking about. This is true with people who want to say wise things, right? We want certainty, and so we, we often prefer certainty over accuracy. We want confidence that something is truth over actually knowing that something is truth. There are all sorts of phrases and ideas that have a ring of truth to them, or even in very limited context, they might be true, but they can't be applied to every situation, and some of them are actually not wisdom at all. They just sound wise. There are many cultural sayings that people assume are in the Bible. There's many cultural sayings that uh, uh, are just assumed to be true, and therefore they're almost elevated to the level of biblical truth. And in the series, we're going to look at a few of these sayings and make sure that we think critically about the things that we believe and the things that we say 
Today we're going to look at this phrase that, that uh, Steve mentioned earlier. God won't give you more than you can handle. God won't give you more than you can handle. And like many overused sayings, there is a seed of truth in this phrase. The idea that God won't give you more than you can handle actually has its roots in some biblical teaching, but in a very specific context. And so as we look at this, I want to look at that seed of truth. What is the seed of truth here? And it's that this is true in the context of temptation. And that's the first point I want to zoom in on the morning, is that this, the seed of truth is, is that this phrase can be applied very narrowly to what the Apostle Paul tells us as believers, that we will not be tempted to the degree that we can't handle or resist that temptation. We see this in 1 Corinthians uh, 10. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. This is a great passage of Scripture. This is a great promise from the Lord. And honestly, this passage is, is very comforting and at the same time convicting. It's comforting to know that Jesus is with me, even in the midst of my most intense temptations. James, in chapter 1 of his letter, reminds us that God does not tempt anyone. Temptation comes from our own twisted-up hearts, and it comes from evil forces in this world, the power of sin in this world. But Paul reminds us that through the power of the Holy Spirit, if we seek God, that there is no temptation that's too much for us. If we ask for his help, if we depend on him, God will always provide for us a way out. It's a powerful promise. And I mentioned it this morning because it really is important that we recognize that we have the power within us by the Holy Spirit to resist any temptation that comes our way. But unfortunately, most often when, when I hear this phrase being used, it's not in, in, in the context of temptation. It's in the context of pain and suffering. When people say God won't give you more than you can handle, they don't typically mean temptation. They mean in terms of pain. In my own experience, and I'm sure many in this room and online can testify to this, this doesn't ring true. I have been overwhelmed before. There have been things that I simply could not bear. And that's the reality we live in. The reality that life is sometimes unbearable, it just is. And I know you're like, great, I came here for an encouraging sermon. Thanks, Debbie Downer. And I know. But it's why phrases like, God won't give you more than you can handle, don't really help us. We like these phrases because we want it to be simple. We wish we lived in a world where that was true. We wish we lived in a world where pain and suffering were just, uh, we were able to cope with it on our own, but we, we can't. That's just not the reality. We have to be honest. You have, and you know someone who has, been overwhelmed by life in such a way that they couldn't handle it. People who've experienced great loss, loss so great that they just, they don't know how they're going to move forward. People who've gone through long-term physical challenges and physical pain. People who have struggled with mental health to such a degree that they may not even be able to get out of bed some mornings. This is the world we live in. And it doesn't help to give a cliche answer to people in these scenarios, like Steve mentioned, his uh, holy throat punch. In fact, it's better to live in reality. The reality that sometimes life 
on this broken and sinful planet is more than I can handle. And part of this painful reality is that God does not always answer our prayers the way we think he should. That's a hard truth that we need to wrestle with. We don't look away. We don't sugarcoat it. God does not always answer our prayers the way I think he should. There are things that happen in this life that are overwhelming. And when we cry out to God, we don't always get the answer back we're looking for. I remember praying prayers, these specific prayers. God, bring back my grandpa. I don't know how I can live without him. God, heal this cancer. She's too young. God, take this burden of depression from my sister in Christ. This is too much for her to shoulder. Many times when I've prayed prayer like this, these prayers weren't answered in the way that I hoped for, in the specific way I wanted. There have been times in my life when the suffering that I experienced or I have witnessed have overwhelmed me. It's broken me. It's almost crushed my faith. But I want to share two passages of Scripture this morning that bring me comfort in the midst of this reality. First is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul is talking about this thorn in his flesh, and scholars have tried to figure out what this means exactly. He doesn't give us more than that. He uses this metaphor of, I have this thorn in my flesh. I have this thing that won't go away, that nags at me, that is just unbearable. He says this, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And that is a really great verse to remember of the sufficiency of God. But it also brings us a very corrective truth to this idea that God won't give you more than you can handle. And it's this. The truth is God is not the source of my suffering. God is not the source of my suffering. Paul describes the thorn in his flesh as a messenger from Satan to torment him. I think this is so crucial to understand what's going on in the world. The suffering that Paul is enduring is not from God, it's from the enemy. And in the same way that God does not tempt us, he's also not at work trying to destroy us. Even the book of Job, which wrestles with this really tough question, why do bad things happen to good people, It's Satan who's bringing the calamity upon Job, not the Lord. The truth is, the suffering and the evil we see in the world is not a result of God's work. It's the reality of a world that rejects God in his ways. Humanity has pushed God away, and and we've tried to rule this world in our own way. And now we live with the results. We talked about this last fall. Remember when we went through the series, uh, if you were here and a part of that, went through a series of, of the whole book of the Bible, uh, talk, the whole story of the Bible, excuse me. And one of the key plot points is, is in Genesis chapter 3, the fall of humanity, when we pushed God out and said, we will rule our own way. And what happened was immediately our relationship between us and God was broken. Our relationships between each other were broken. Our relationship with this creation God's good, perfect world is now messed up. Even our relationship with ourselves, internally, we are twisted up. We're not the way we were meant to be. This is what happens when we push God out and try to do things our own way. And we see this playing out all around us. So when we see war crimes being carried out in Ukraine, it's natural for us to cry out and say, God, why? Why is this happening? 
And God could be cold and calloused, and he could say, well, this is what happens when a tyrant is in charge of a nation whose responsibility is to care for the people that have been entrusted to him, but instead, because of ego and greed and whatever their evil intentions, decides to get what he wants at any cost. And all sorts of people who buy into this twisted ideology will follow this leader. When we ask the question why, it's because of us. We've broken it, and we continue to break it. You see, it's the sin of humanity that's causing all this destruction. It's a hard pill to swallow, but it is true. God created us to be in relationship with him and join him in his good and perfect rule over the earth. And our story is that we have continuously pushed him out and tried to rule on our own. And you and I, you and I both know the results have been devastating. One other cliche that's kind of related to this that comes up is everything happens for a reason. And yes, that's true. Everything does happen for a reason. And the bad things that happen, the reason they happen is typically because of our sin or the sins of others. For Paul, he begged God to take away this thorn in his side, this messenger from Satan. And God doesn't. You know, Paul says, God isn't going to take this away from me. We don't know exactly why. But we do need to recognize it's not God who gives these burdens. It's natural for us to wonder why he allows these things, why he doesn't step in and intervene the way I want him to right now. But he's not the cause of our suffering. One other passage I want to share uh, on this point that brings me comfort. Before he was arrested and beaten and put on trial and crucified, Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Mark records the story this way. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Have you ever felt that way? I know I have. I know the Bible is filled with psalms and laments of others who have felt that way too. The Bible does not try to sugarcoat life. In terms of pain and suffering, the Bible does not confirm the truth that life won't give you more than you can handle it will. But here's what brings me comfort. God did not exempt himself from our suffering. Here's Jesus, God in the flesh, come to rescue and redeem us from the power of sin and death. And what does he do? How does he do it? He, he feels the full weight of sin and death on our behalf. And in the midst of his suffering, he does what you and I do. He cries out to the Father. Look at verse 26. Abba, Father, he said, Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. God's saying, he's saying to God, do something. I cannot handle this. I don't want this. It's too much. And what does he hear back from God? Well, we don't exactly know. Did he hear back from God? I'm not going to intervene the way you're asking to, but I have a plan. Did he hear from God? Silence. We don't know. But Jesus went where we've all been, into this place of surrender before God, saying, this is too much for me. 
And I don't know about you, but I will always wrestle with this question, why did God allow this? But when I look to Jesus' praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, I'm comforted by the fact that God the Father allowed God the Son to experience something he couldn't handle. He was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. That tells me that God has not abandoned us in our sufferings. He didn't look away. He didn't distance himself while we suffer. He came near and he suffered like we do. The second thing is we know that in the garden, God was up to something bigger. He may not have caused our suffering, but just as he brought redemption and good out of Jesus' suffering, I believe that he's working to bring redemption and good out of our suffering. So, we've discussed the seed of truth to the idea that God won't give you more than you can handle, specifically in temptation, and we've discussed the reality that life can actually be too much for us to handle, and it's okay to admit that. And now I want to discuss the danger of this so-called wisdom. Why I think it's important for us to be discerning around this type of wisdom, and we're careful when we choose our words. When we take these, this idea out of context, this idea that God won't give me or you more than we can handle, we can do more harm than good. <clears throat> so I want, to, I want to talk about the kind of harm that that causes, and I want to talk about what it looks like for us to be people of healing instead. Those of us who represent Jesus to our friends, our family, to a world that needs the hope of Christ, we need to be equipped with the truth and to bring the healing presence of Christ to those who are overwhelmed. Most of the time, honestly, when people suffer, what I've found, most of the time people just want to kind of stay away. We want to distance ourselves from suffering. Maybe we're superstitious, or maybe we just don't know what to say or do, so we just stay away. I've also been in ministry long enough that I've seen many people, including myself, just put their feet in their mouth when trying to be helpful. It happens so easily. You're in the presence of someone who's extreme, experiencing extreme pain of some sort, and, and it's very uncomfortable. You don't know what to do, and you, you want to be loving. And so you try to offer up some words of encouragement that, that might lift this burden, to think you might make a difference if you say something that sounds wise. And it usually ends up causing more harm than good, it doesn't actually lift their burden. I remember one time calling someone on the phone who just lost a loved one that day and trying to just be comforting, trying to pray, trying to offer practical support and just be, uh, make space for the presence of Jesus in that moment. At the end of the phone call, I ended the phone call like I end every phone call. Have a great day! I immediately was like, what am I, what? You fool, of course they're not going to have a great day. And in fact, you just shined a spotlight on one of the worst days in their life. You just said, have a great day. Because I just wasn't thinking. I was trying to be encouraging. I was trying to be helpful. On the flip side, I've had people come to me in different situations in my darkest hours and say things like, God won't give you more than you can handle. Everything happens for a reason. And I on the outward posture, try to be as forgiving as possible, but in my heart, I'm not always as forgiving, and in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't say it, but I'm thinking, God does give me more than he can handle, because you're here with me right now, and I can't handle you anymore. (laughs) Or, everything does happen for a reason. In fact, what's about to happen is I'm going to slap you, and that happened for the reason that you just said what you just said, (laughs) right? Like, we we feel it in us, and and it's hard in those moments to, to... 
to be forgiving because it just is so hard and those statements just don't help us at all. And all joking aside, we as Christians need to know how to enter into other people's pain in order to make space for the healing presence of Jesus in their lives and their circumstances. No cliche will help. Sometimes the best thing we can do is just point them to Jesus in the garden saying things like, I don't have a quick fix. I don't have any easy answers, but I believe that Jesus is with you. He's been where you've been. He's been overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And sometimes even saying that is too much. When people are in a place where, where, where they're just in such pain, no truth will suffice in that moment, and all we can do is sit with them, silently bear their burden with them, demonstrate God's presence by being present. We let our actions say, God is with you. We let our actions say, I know it's hard to feel or believe that right now, so in the meantime, I am with you. I won't look away from your pain. I'll sit here with you. I will weep with you. I will hold your hand. I will bring you a meal. I will clean up your dishes. I'll do whatever it takes to be the presence of Jesus for you here and now. And this is what it looks like for the church to really care for people in suffering through presence. Not through cliches, not through false wisdom, but through presence. And we do that here for each other within the context of church, but we do it for our neighbors, our co-workers, our peers, our teammates, because whether we believe yet or not, we all need the gospel. The gospel that tells us that Jesus has done something and is doing something about all the brokenness and pain in the world. We all need that to be demonstrated to us in tangible ways, especially when we're overwhelmed by life. The second reason I think it's really crucial for us to discern phrases like, God won't give you more than you can handle, is that some of us need a burden lifted from our shoulders today, this morning. Many of us have been overwhelmed by life, by pain. And when we're in a dark season of life and somebody shoots a casual, everything happens for a reason, or God will never give you more than you can handle, actually what it can do is it can heap guilt on our shoulders. On top of the pain we're already feeling, it adds a layer of guilt. Well, this is more than I can handle. So there must be something wrong with me. Not only am I going through this horrible thing, but then my faith is also broken too. And I want to say, being overwhelmed in this life is a result of the destructive force of sin in this world, but it does not mean that you are being sinful when you are overwhelmed by life. It does not mean that you lack faith. It does not mean that there's something uniquely wrong with you. It's the reality of the world we live in. So in your pain, don't give in to the sense of guilt that careless words can heap on your shoulders. Jesus himself cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so it's okay for you to cry out too. It's okay for you to not be okay. You're not alone. Jesus is truly with you. He suffered for you and he suffers with you now. You can bring your sorrows, your anger, and your questions and he won't look away. He hasn't and he won't abandon you. But I want to say to us as a church family, let's make sure that people experience that. That it's not just words we throw out that Jesus is with you, but let's make sure people experience that. Let's be a church that binds up people's wounds 
that doesn't offer cheap or false hope, but instead offers the healing presence of Christ. Let's walk with others in the midst of their pain, making space for Jesus to heal. I've seen it happen in this church. I've seen people in grief be surrounded by Christian brothers and sisters who just weep with them, pray with them, serve them. I've seen it happen just across the hall in the conference room as divorce care is going on, where we make space for people to make sense of what's going on in their life and the deep hurt they're experiencing and watch Jesus start healing and binding up wounds. Let's continue to be a church like that. And I want to close with one more thing this morning. If the idea that God won't give you more than you can handle doesn't ring true, or or if at least it's not very helpful, I wonder this morning, is there truth, is there solid ground that we can set our feet upon? Is there hope? And I believe that God has given us many promises in the midst of suffering. But for the sake of time, I'm going to share just this one. Jesus tells his followers, this is just before he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, to pray where he's overwhelmed. This is just before he's arrested. This is what he tells his friends in John 16. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. In the garden, Jesus knew he was going to the cross. He was going there to do something about the brokenness and death that sin has unleashed on this world. He was going to do something about our suffering. Jesus suffered so he can draw near to you in your suffering, and that's true even when it's hard to believe it, but he's also overcome the world. We just celebrated two weeks ago, Easter Sunday. Jesus rose again from the dead, and because of that, his death and his suffering weren't the end of the story. New life is the end of the story. That means hope for you and me. Our suffering and our brokenness and our pain, what we're going through now is not the end of the story. There is hope for a day where he will wipe away every tear from our eyes and there will be no more death or pain or sorrow. So I want to say to you today, if you're in a season where you're overwhelmed, where life has given you more than you can handle, hold on. The cliche may not ring true. God, God will not give you more than you can handle, but, but know this. Everything that you bear that feels like it's too much, that is overwhelming, Jesus has overcome it. Death, sorrow, and suffering do not get the last word. New life does. If that's you, please don't walk through this alone. Please reach out to people who can help. Reach out to people who can just sit with you in the midst of it. Pray with you. Wrap their arms around you. Don't walk through this alone. You don't have to. That's why we have a church. That's why we're the body of Christ, because we're in this together. But know that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection means that this is not the end of the story. There is more to come. There's hope on the horizon. There's healing to come. In this life and in the life to come, It's not the end of the story. I'm going to invite the band to come up and I'm going to pray just a a prayer of honesty to Jesus this morning. Would you pray with me?
Jesus, we come to you today. As the scripture says, we've been knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Lord, we have all faced many trials and tribulations. We've experienced unspeakable loss. We've suffered all sorts of things in this world. And though we, we, all of the easy answers that have been promised to us just haven't delivered, and we need you. Lord, I want to pray over anyone in this room this morning who is just feeling overwhelmed, feeling like, I don't know where to turn. This is too much for me to handle. Lord, I pray that your healing presence would be with them. I pray that we as a church would come beside them, share tangible love with them, would share just presence. Pray that you'd bring healing into their life, bring hope into their life. Lord, I pray for us as a church, this world, this world is in this constant state of brokenness that leads to suffering. It needs the hope of the gospel. God, make us people who bring your presence with us. Not easy answers, Lord, there aren't any, but, but your presence. Relationship, care, love. Send us out into a world that needs those things. Make us, make us like you, Jesus. Lord, as we sing this, this next song, help us to remember what you've done for us your sacrifice for us, your great love for us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In a minute, we're going to take communion together. Um, so if you don't have bread in the cup, raise your hand, and as the band starts singing right now, uh, we've got some ushers that will bring these around to you. We're going to respond in worship, and we're going to look to what Jesus did. But, but, but while we do that, um, let's first just sing these words together.